It's nearly the end of April and Liverpool are still on track for a quadruple. They're back the League Cup, they've reached the FA Cup final, they've got one foot in the Champions League final and they're just a point off top spot in the Premier League. With the greatest of respect, it's a far cry from the days of Christian Poulsen, Paul Koncheski and Milan Jovanovic. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. It's a slimline, lean and mean set of shows this week with a terrific twosome dispensing their betting wisdom. Marco Hares in Bergamo trying to persuade Gian Piero Gasparini to adopt him. So in for goals, Jake Osgathorpe gets to sit in the vice captain's chair today. Jake, you told us a little while back about the probability of Liverpool winning the quadruple, which would be League Cup, FA Cup, Champions League and Premier League. Presumably... That number's got a little bit bigger since we talked last. It has, yeah. Um, I think last time when we spoke, it was around 6 or 7% to win all four. We're now up to 11%, which uh, may not sound like a big jump, but it does mean that we've moved from around a 1 in 15, 16 chance to a 1 in 9 chance of this actually happening. Um, it's remarkable, isn't it, when you it, think about it? I mean, we uh, talk about the quadruple with Man City before, but usually something's gone awry somewhere along the line, but not here. No, it is absolutely mind-boggling and I can't remember ever, I mean, we, we, we will be going into May very shortly and I can't remember ever a team being fighting on all fronts, all four fronts, uh, going into May. I think Manchester City usually manage it till about March um, and then it starts to fall apart. But yeah, the, the, the squad depth that they have, the obviously the manager, the, the rotation, um, it, it is it's set up perfectly for Liverpool to do something really special. But I think what would make it even more special is that they would do it playing against arguably one of the best teams that we've ever seen as well in Manchester City. Um, it's not like they're, they're, they're beating you know, comfortably uh, a very weak set of, of teams. If they were to win all four and effectively they've already knocked City out of the FA Cup, it's likely that they'll have to beat them in the Champions League final and in the Premier League. If they were to do that, this would go down as probably the best achievement in sporting history, in my opinion. It would be that big. Um, and yeah, it, it is very much the case of it's on. It really is on. Um, yeah, the, the the way in which they dispatched the Villarreal in that first leg was really impressive. Basically held them at arm's length, didn't they, for the entire tie. Um, and that 2-0 lead, coupled with the sort of close nature of the City-Real Madrid tie, um, means that Liverpool are now into 50% chance of winning the Champions League. So even money shot, if you like. And, and you know, that, that really has bumped up the uh, overall quadruple odds. Betfair trader and tipster Emmett O'Keefe is with us once again. Emmett, this Liverpool team just keeps on finding ways to win. And in the last three games, smashed Manchester United 4-0. They beat the Merseyside rivals Everton 2-0. Had to be patient in that game. Had to be patient against Villarreal. But it's just about been the perfect week for them. Yeah, no, it has been the perfect week. It's like, it's. I think it's probably like, it's one of the great, I think, team building achievements in, in modern football history. How like... How you could be in a situation now where Liverpool's strength and depth is arguably better than Man City's, and yet Man City are funded by a nation state. And Liverpool, like if you look at Liverpool, like nobody, internet, internet, kind of net spend figures are, are best left to the internet trolls most of the time. But if you look at Liverpool's kind of financial figures over the last 10 years, it's been a fr- prudent financial choice. 
And the reality is, I think Liverpool have adapted to kind of a data-driven approach uh, far better than most of the most of the Premier League clubs, and and, and that's simply borne out in their signings. I think probably to be honest, if you look, it's easy to say in hindsight. I think probably the market didn't react quickly enough to the signing of of uh, of Luis Diaz. Obviously, he's been a, he's been a brilliant player, but just that kind of he's making every other player in that front line, uh, Liverpool front line, better by giving them more rest and like just by playing less minutes and not and giving them less chance of injury as well. So I think the yeah, it's all. It's all come up rosy, but having said all that, I do think the, the game against Newcastle this weekend will be a serious test. Yeah, just, is, just on that, as well with Luis Diaz, not only is he coming in and allowing rotation, but he's also provided competition. So he's yeah. spurring on Sadio Mane, Salah, yeah. Jota to all play better because they're fighting. He's basically made himself the third choice and now it's a, a case of can you keep hold of your spot? And that in itself takes the entire front line to another level. It's interesting. That's the, that's the, that's the, sorry, sorry to go across again, but that's the kind of you can see in statistics. That like is in yeah. competition actually makes, but that's the kind of the intangible stuff that if you're kind of a shrewd sporting director or a shrewd coach, that's the stuff you'll see. And the other thing we've seen as a byproduct is Mane move into the middle. And I think he's even better there than he is in that wider role because his movement's sensational, his hold-up play is excellent. So I think uh, that's been a good byproduct as well. Emmett, if you look at that game, Liverpool about 1.44 in the exchange to win that game at Newcastle. Is that about right? Possibly. I well, My price to be Liverpool a little bigger. Um, I'm not... I'm not certain. I'm not certain. Like, uh, I think probably Newcastle are a little bit worse than their kind of recent results suggest. But I do think like, they're a much improved team already. How? And I think we've seen. I think as well with I think the big change the last three games, which they've uh, has been Bruno Guimaraes coming to the team, and we've, yeah. we've seen a notable improvement in their in their XG performance and their results. Like all the data would suggest, this guy's one of the better, better midfielders in Europe, and he's hit the ground running. I think. I like, I, I think, I think just, I think it's an obvious statement. Eddie Howe was just a miles better coach than Steve Bruce. I think we, we is it like, the, if you look at, like, firstly, I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before, like, Joe Linton, pre Eddie Howe was the guy who was on Twitter, Joe Linton, one goal every 2,000 minutes, laughing emoji, 40 million, all that, like, all that stuff was a joke. <laughs> but, but that, that is now turned around. Yeah. Like he's now like he's worth that forty million. He's been like one of the better attacking midfielders in the Premier League who can do a job, who can do a decent job up front, like he did last week at Norwich. And I think at the weekend, like playing Chris Wood against Liverpool's press, a fool's errand. Like he's not gonna, he's he's not gonna carry any threat in the counter attack. I think anyhow will pick John Lynch up front, and I and I think and as such, I think he's actually worth a look in the in the kind of shots on target betting. We currently have Moss Sider and or an evens to have a shot on target. And I, I think in a game with Newcastle might be competitive. I think that looks a little bit of value. Yeah, Jake, it's quite an interesting one with Joe Linton because anybody who watched him for Hoffenheim knew that it wasn't a 20-goal-a-season, man. That wasn't what they were getting. They were getting quite an unusual kind of hybrid player who did start from a bit deeper and could cause some havoc going forward that way. But I think people just characterised him as, oh, well, here's the centre-forward. But it was never going to be like that. And Emma, it's actually absolutely right. It's a perfect example of what Eddie Howe's been able to do, which is get the best out of the players that he had at his disposal and then bring a few more in. Absolutely, yeah. And I think what's been really interesting over the last few weeks is the fact that Joe Linton has moved from that sort of box-to-box midfield player into more of a false nine. Obviously, he played there last weekend, the weekend before, uh, instead of Chris Wood. And I think that has kind of 
it's helped Newcastle progress up the pitch better because it means that there's passing lanes open, there's there's op- options for forward balls, which is something that Bruno Guimaraes does really well in yeah. terms of progressing the ball. Um, and it means that there also allows for some really you know unique out to win runs from the the wingers to get in behind Joe Linton. It just sort of opens the whole pitch up for Newcastle's attack. But one thing that I really wanted to look at around Newcastle heading into this game is actually their defence because defensively they've been really impressive uh, since Boxing Day under Eddie Howe. Only four teams have been better from an expected goals against standpoint than Newcastle um, than uh, since Boxing Day. Uh, no surprises or no points for guessing who those four teams might be. Um, but also, look, if you look is at expected points... Is it Watford? Points, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually Norwich. <laughs> no, it is, it is the you know the four best teams in the league right now, which is City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea. Um, and yeah, based on expected points, only the traditional big six have been better uh, than Newcastle since, the ter- since Boxing Day. So effectively, we've got a team that are performing like a, a potential European challenger. Um, another really interesting thing uh, when assessing this uh, this game in particular is that Newcastle, are, they're on a bit of a tear at home. They've won their last six at home. They've only lost one of 12 under Eddie Howe at home. And that actually came against Manchester City. So, you know, obviously the, the best team outside of Liverpool in the entire Premier League, Liverpool will provide a similarly stiff test. But the way in which they're playing, the way in which they're playing at home, the way in which they're defending, it, it could be a real potential banana skin for Liverpool. Uh, and I don't see them winning this like at a canter. I think it'll be a very hard-fought, tough, ground-out win for Liverpool. Um, the only positives that they've got, really, well, there's a lot of positives in that Liverpool team, isn't there? But the fact that if they do want to rotate, they aren't going to weaken the side all that much. And away from home, they've not had any issues creating chances in general this season, uh, averaging around 2.3 expected goals for per game. So it, they will create chances. Will they create as many chances as they would expect to against a sort of a mid-table team? I don't think they will in St. James's Park. So I think this is going to be a real game about clinicality for Liverpool. I don't think it'll be a you know a usual Liverpool performance where we see them rack up four or five big chances. I think it maybe get one or two really good chances, and it's a case of taking them. And we've we've, we've seen that they can and they have done uh, in certain games, as like you mentioned against the, most recently Everton, Villarreal. They were frustrated for long periods, but when they they, they did only create a couple of good chances. They took both of them. Um, so for me, I, I was half tempted to try and get Newcastle on side, but the handicap lines were a bit short on odds for me. So I was just going to go for the tried and trusted Liverpool to win in under three and a half goals, the podcast favourite, which is around 11 to 10. Um, I can see it. I don't think Newcastle will be as defensive minded as Everton were from last weekend, but I, I, I don't think Liverpool will create enough to blow them away and I think Newcastle will hang around and make life very difficult so 11 to 10 for that bet looked uh, the best way in for me if you do go for that worth bearing in mind our fantastic Ackers and multiples offer is running every day if you bet 10 pounds on Ackers or bet builders and receive a two pound free bet to use on Ackers or bet builders T's and C's apply massive relegation scrap at Vicarage Road as Watford face Burnley Watford have been hopeless at home it's been confirmed that manager Roy Hodgson won't be staying on beyond the end of this season Jake we've seen Hodgson pull-off rescues at West Brom, Fulham, Palace. What went wrong here? Um, he was the wrong man for the job, um, to put it bluntly. Uh, yeah, they, But who would were... have been the right man? So they needed, what, a more attacking a more attacking manager? Somebody who would have... What, what could they have done? What would have been the best option? Um, 
Yeah, they, well, to be honest, they weren't. The results were bad under Ranieri, but the, the performances weren't catastrophic. Uh, I'm not saying that if it stuck with Ranieri, they would have stayed up. I know Stinch would be very angry if, if I did say that. Um, yeah, you're only but, saying that because he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be getting daggers through the Zoom call. Oh yes. Um, oh, yes. But but you know they 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 were when you when you are down in a relegation scrap, I, I the tendency is to play for very for nil one nils and nil nils and try and scrape points. But by doing that, you're playing on such fine margins. You need a lot of luck to consistently get those one nil wins. Whereas if you go the other way and you are creating a lot of chances, but also conceding a lot of chances, the variance will more likely go in your favour because you are actually creating chances. So you might get a game where you lose three or four nil, but then the flip side of that, you'll also get a couple of games where you win two one, three one because you're actually generating the chances. Whereas if you're not generating the chances, the chances or percentages of you winning the game are very low. Um, so what Roy Hodgson's done at Watford is he's taken a team that were averaging around 1.5 expected goals for per game and 1.9 expected goals against per game and turned them into a team that are creating one expected goal per game and conceding 1.6 expected goals against per game. So defensively, he's made them better. He's made them worse in attack, which has ultimately made their chances of winning matches decrease. Um, so it, it's a fine balance. It's a difficult situation for any manager to go into. But you've got to be brave and, you know, ultimately we look at this Watford squad. I think there's enough attacking quality there to cause a lot of teams problems if they were just, to, you know, unleashed. Not saying give them free reign to go do whatever they like, but, you know, just at least get them trying to play in a more positive manner. Be that just, you know, driving up the pitch more more often, uh, stronger pace, squeezing the game higher up, um, maybe not to Liverpool levels at the halfway line, but at least try and squash the pitch to give you... A, Selves a chance to turn the ball over high up, but ultimately Hodgson's gone in and played a deep block effectively, and he's tried to counterattack. Um, and against you know, particularly the better teams, that isn't going to work very often. Uh, we saw that last week, didn't we, against Manchester City? Um, the deep line block, I think, lasted all the five minutes, uh, and then it was just a case of, well, the game's done now. What do we do? So th- this game is that is- why away from home? Because they have picked up a couple of decent wins away from home. Is that why you've had this? weird imbalance that away from home they've looked okay at times but at home they, they've been useless haven't they really yeah it, it does seem as though when they play at home they're stuck in between two styles because they know that they've, they're have they at home they've got the fan support they've got to be the aggressors to some extent but that's not the way in which Hodgson wants them to play so they're sort of half in a deep block half trying to play attacking football which I think is what has, has caused them massive issues all season long at home because was it 16 games 1-2 which is just not going to keep you up in the Premier League, um, usually teams that stay up are reliant on their home form. So the fact that they've been so bad is a massive concern. Um, and yeah, away from home, the sort of the onus on them actually being the aggressors in the games off them. It's on, it is on the home team, so they they can sit back, sit deeper, try and play on that counter attack a little bit more, and trust that that style of play a bit more. And, and while they have had some success, like you said, the results some results have been okay. The performances have been terrible. Even the underlying numbers away from home have been really bad. Um, and yeah, this I, I, I could be wrong here, but I think that they could actually be mathematically relegated this weekend um, if they lose this game. I think I think that could be the case. Uh, I might be wrong, but I do feel as though it is very. You're much... the data guy, Jake. Yeah, I know. <laughs> My data is uh, is underlying data. What's though, going not on? Basic raw data. You're, <laughs> you're like Southampton in mid-table. What's going on? He's looking towards the summer holiday. It's a disgrace. Yeah. But I'll ultimately, Burnley have Burnley have a great opportunity as well, and and they've 
contrast to Watford, um, they sort of started playing more attacking football since Sean Dyche left. And Is that the key team... then? That Mike Jackson's basically said, right, that we we shouldn't just dig in and try and grind stuff out. We should actually go for it. And that's what's happened. Yeah, the, the underlying numbers say that's the case and the eye test does as well. Um, but what, what I would also say is it's not pure gung-ho football. There is a decent balance to that Burnley team now. Um, he's got four forwards on the pitch, don't get me wrong. So he's, he's top-loading the pitch. But he's also changed the formation slightly, tweaked a few things. Uh, I think one, one of the keys, really, I think it was discussed on Monday Night Football, was getting Dwight McNeil, A, back in the team. I couldn't believe he wasn't playing. When you sign Val Weghorst and you've got someone who can deliver a ball like McNeil, it seemed like a bit of a no-brainer. But also playing him on the right-hand side to cut in uh, and almost make an extra uh, sort of number 10, if you like, uh, trying to create chances from there. Uh, yeah, just a few tactical tweaks uh, have been made at Burnley. The personnel is obviously the same. You can't change it. But they have definitely tried to play more on the front foot, tried to get the ball into the final third more regularly. Um, and ultimately, they are creating more chances, which is the key. They, you know, they racked up nearly 2.8 XG against Southampton, one, nearly two expected goals against West Ham, 1.3 against Wolves. So they are creating more and better chances. And, and before Sean Dyche left, before the, the Norwich and Everton games, which are obviously two relegation uh, candidates, they only made more, well, created more than one expected goal in one of the last five matches before, the, uh, before those two get ties. So... It's not something that Burnley were accustomed to, creating a lot of chances. And, and ultimately, I think that that more attacking, proactive style will lead to a good result at Watford. And, and I was very surprised to see the price at Burnley around 2.85. I know we may be looking at recency bias, etc. But the underlying data suggests that they are improving at a really rapid rate, this Burnley team. I know it's only a small sample size, but we're, they're playing against one of the worst teams in the league here. Um, and the way in which they have been playing, the way in which they've sort of dispatched Southampton and Wolves suggests that they perhaps should be a little bit shorter. And obviously on the flip side, the way in which Watford have been playing at home all season long and recently, the, the exchange got this basis to pick them uh, and I think Burnley should be the favourites. It'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Southampton and Crystal Palace have earned their mid-table safety. They'll be going through the options with flip-flops, I imagine. Uh, Emmett, what value... Have you found here? Yeah, just, just, to, just firstly, just to touch on Jake's point, like it's hard to believe in that Norwich Burnley game. Aaron Lennon was starting at Dwight McNeil, yeah, which again speaks to speaks to Jake's point about the improvement <laughs> that the Burnley have made. Um, I just, yeah, I, I just, I think the price in Palace looks, 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 looks just, just looks too big here. I think Pal- if you look at the, if you look at the uh, expected goal difference, Pal- Palace are seventh in expected goal difference, and I think their points tally undersells how good a team they are. Whereas Southampton, I think, kind of going the other way. They've only won one of their last eight matches. That was kind of a fortunate win at home to Arsenal, where they they they, they lost fairly convincing convincingly on the XG. I think we kind of talked earlier on the podcast in, in kind of previous weeks how kind of Hastutel did one of the best jobs many Premier League managers in the season. But the, the, one of the reasons we were saying that because Southampton don't have much talent in the squad, I think, and I think Arsenal is getting getting quite a lot out of them. But I think they are kind of regressing towards their true level. Like if you look. Who, who their starting strikers last week were Shea Adams and my old friend Shane Long, and it's just like, <laughs> like it, it, it's like that is that that's not a Premier League strike force. And I think, I think we're kind of seeing yes, Samson kind of reach their true level, and I, I think Palace are legitimately, I think Palace are legitimately a good team. If you look at the kind of the options Palace Palace have an attack, I think like Wilf, like Wilfred Zaha and Connor Gallagher are kind of top six level players that Samson just simply don't possess. And if you look at usually like 
with, with the Premier League, the, the kind of the odds will factor in point, roughly around 0.3 of a goal for home advantage. So given that, the Southampton are at a 2.4 shot here. So the kind of the betting markets are saying these teams are relatively equal with Palace, with Palace, with Southampton 2.4 favours because of home advantage. I don't think they are equal. I think Palace are a significantly better team. And so, and so Palace look a bet here at just over two to one. One thing, if there's any Palace fans listening, uh, please maybe maybe tweet me. Like I, I don't understand why Hudson Edward doesn't play more for them. Maybe he just needs to kind of time to adjust, uh, kind of playing at a higher level coming from Scotland. But I find it hard to believe he's an inferior player to Jean Philippe, Mateta, and Christian Benteke, who I think are barely Premier League level strikers. Yeah, it's quite an interesting one. Now, obviously, Zaha's come back relatively recently from injury. He loves Ayu. Ayu barely ever scores but I think what Ayu <laughs> gives you probably is the movement and he stretches the pitch and, and insane work well. rate yeah an yeah. insane work rate without the ball uh, and I think it is probably then a choice between Edouard and Mateta and he does see again because Mateta will make those deep runs down the channels he's quite good in the air it's probably a straight choice between those but yeah I expected Edouard bearing in mind how he started yeah I thought he'd have played more games. I think as well, to be honest, I'm very suspicious of managers whose kind of think or thinking is plan B, get the big man. I think that's like, I think that's 90s football logic. I think thinking like, oh yeah, get Ben Teke on as plan B. Like that is, that's not the thinking. I think of a top level manager, I think it's a bad, just, I, I think, I think like Palace actually did a really good job overhauling that squad with Anderson, where he, um, Gallagher on loan. And I'm just interested to see how Vieira progresses because I don't, like their points tally, I don't think quite matches their talent. And I think it'll be interesting to see how, how, how they, I don't, he won't, obviously won't be sacked at the end of the season, but it'll be interesting to see how, if he can progress Palace. Because I think that, like, again, that kind of, that kind of thinking would always make, like bringing on a tech ahead of Edward off the bench just doesn't make any sense to me. For me, the, 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 sorry, Kev, the, the way in which he can progress them and take them to the next level is what I was just discussing earlier. Trying to make them more attacking. And, you know, you've got Michael Elise and, Eberichiezi sat on the bench. I mean, at what point are you going to put them in instead of the likes of Ayu, uh, Mateta, Eduard? You know, you've got to come up with some sort of system to fit those players in. Because I think they're being quite gentle with Eze, though, aren't they? Because, you know, Achilles injuries are always pretty nasty. And obviously, I know he's back fit now, but I think that I imagine, I don't know that for certain, but I imagine they're being quite gentle with Eze just, just to make sure that they don't overload him before the end of the season. Because yeah. what's the point? Yeah, well, it makes sense at this stage. Yeah, it's the slipper time, isn't it, for Palace? Um, but yeah, for Elise, at the very least, every time I've watched him, he's he's excites. Oh yeah, he does something yeah. ridiculous, and um, he's the kind of player that you know. Would, would, is there a, a you know? Can he shoehorn him into a midfield free and and try and you know? You can still have your Ayus, you can still have your Zaha Mateta, and can you bring him in to complement Conor Gallagher? Maybe um, th- th- these are the good games to try for next season. Um, you know, effectively dead rubbers, aren't they? And, and you can try and tinker with these things and see, uh, take a look at players in different positions and see what you like, see what you need. Um, but yeah, I, I do, I do agree with Emmett. Um, his overall statement there is that Palace have been unfortunate with the results, and they have been much better than um, what the points tally suggests. And you know, for me, if it wasn't for Klopp or Guardiola, uh, I think Vieira would be up there in discussions for manager of the year because I think from an underlying numbers standpoint, the turnaround from Hodgson to Vieira is sort of astronomical. It really is um, really, really massively impressive. And I think he deserved a lot of credit because there were a lot of people doubting him at the start of the season um, as to whether they, you know, it was the right appointment. 
a lot of people back in Crystal Palace to go down on the back of the appointment. So, um, yeah, I think he deserves a lot of credit. I like the idea that Vieira would be at the training ground with a notepad, scribbling furiously, listening to all this and saying, shut up, Wilf. I'm trying to listen to the podcast. Some good (laughs) suggestions here for next season. Uh, Norwich have looked doomed for most of the season. They're still doomed. They go to Aston Villa for the Dean Smith derby. Jake, Villa haven't exactly pulled up any trees, have they, since Dean Smith was kicked out and replaced by Stephen Gerrard. Do we need to wait until next season until we can really judge where Villa are at, or can we point the finger and say, "Well, this hasn't been very good." Um, yeah, I, I probably would wait until next season because he inherited majority of, of a squad from Dean Smith, um, and you know, slightly different shake up uh, when he brings his own players in. But I don't think the results have been as bad as what uh, performances have perhaps suggested, particularly recently. Um, for example, they're winless in the last set, uh, last five matches. I think the goal difference over that time is around minus seven, but their expected goal difference has been plus one. So they're, they've actually outcreated their opponents over that five-game stretch. So well, that Tottenham that game were... was crazy, wasn't it? They ended up losing 4-0 and they were the better team yeah. than most of the game. Exactly, yeah. You can get some games like that, particularly against the big boys who, if they have a clinical day, can just score from anywhere. Uh, and that was one case for Spurs. I think it was four goals from 0.9 XG. So you're not going to get that for every every team you play against. Um, and yeah, as for Norwich, I have consulted the table um, and the, the robots have told me that it's actually Norwich that can be mathematically relegated this weekend. Watford can be all but relegated. Um, the robots digging Osgathorpe out of trouble again. Yeah, we, we needed a helping hand there. Um, but <laughs> yeah, they, no, Dean Smith, it was a, an unenvious job to take over anyway. Uh, I was surprised he went for it, to be honest, straight after being sat by Villa, straight from sort of one... Uh, out the fire, uh, out the pan into the fire, um, and did, ultimately they've just they're just not good enough. They deserve to go down. Um, the yo-yoing will continue. Away from home, they've been simply shocking. Created next to nothing in the way of chances. 0.87 expected goals for per game. Allowed nearly three times that on the road at 2.4. So uh, struggling to see anything other than a Villa win. But I think with the way which Norwich have attacked all season long. Um, I think it's, it's just 10 goals away from home. <sighs> Winter nil definitely comes into play um, for, for Aston Villa. And like I said, their, their performances have been better than results would suggest of late. Um, and Norwich really are struggling, really are in the mire uh, and can't really create too many chances on a regular basis. So that, I'm surprised to get around 13 to 10 for Villa to win the game, to be honest. I thought it'd be a little bit shorter than that. Um, we, we know that Villa have the individual quality to call, to score numerous goals against any opponents, like the likes of Coutinho, Ings, Watkins, Buendia. Um, and yeah, Norwich just won't be able to handle them. So Villa to win to nil, I thought was uh, a, a sort of, I guess a rinse and repeat bet for whoever's been playing Norwich for the last year. I remember suggesting after Josh Sargent scored his brace against Watford that he was still no good and I got a lot of stick off Norwich fans for saying, no, he's a really good player. He'll do very well. This is his launch pad. Uh, no, la- no launch <laughs> for Josh Sargent. I think he's barely done anything since. So we got there in the end. Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet. So Betfair's now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds, over-under, and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. And yes, I'm aware with that Sergeant anecdote, it is a little bit like Alan Partridge saying, 
I have the last laugh, but there we go. Uh, it's become tradition for us to take a look at the EFL. No stinch today. So Emmett has picked up that particular baton. Yeah, so it, it, it would take us to Gillingham v, v. Rotherham, who are uh, all the all the kind of the, the final day. You the, glamour the, puss, you exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. The so yeah, the, the, it's the all, all the kind of final, all the, the kind of final game of the of the kind of League One regular season are happening at, at half twelve on Saturday. And so just, I was just looking at kind of a goals angle, just given the kind of given the game state in Gillingham v Rotherham. So this the state is basically. Rotherham are a point ahead of MK Dons. Rotherham in second, MK Dons in third. So Rotherham need, need to win to be gar- to, to, to be guaranteed promotion. And then Gillingham at the other end of the table are level on points with Fleetwood and uh, with Gillingham just in the relegation zone on goal difference. So again, Gillingham need to win to have a, to have kind of the have a best chance of survival. And so I think that just sets up, given that angle, that sets up for a fairly open game where if, say, if if Rotherham go ahead, Gillingham will have to push forward and then leave themselves open on the counter-attack. And also kind of Rotherham have shown kind of signs of frailty in, frailty in defence. They've actually conceded six goals in their last three away games. So I'm, I'm kind of confident Gillingham can get at least one goal. And if they do, say if it's one all with 10 minutes to go, both teams will likely be pushing for the win. So that that that, 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 that gives us kind of an extra chance to, to, to win the bet. So over two and a half goals that are in four to five is, uh, is a bet I liked here. To the Bundesliga, I'm going to back Taiwo Awani to score for Union Berlin against Greuther Fuerth on Friday night at 2.18 on the exchange. I have to say, I think that's pretty generous, really. Fuerth to bottom, they're rubbish. They've been relegated. They've been rubbish all season. The simple reason for that is that they weren't expected to be promoted in the first place. And then having been promoted, they lost some key players. And so they were swimming against the tide all the way through. Union, though, absolutely flying at the moment. They've put together a long winning run in the Bundesliga. They won 2-1 at RB Leipzig last weekend. That takes some doing. And Awuni has scored 13 goals this season. He scored in four of his last eight league games. And Greutherford have the worst away record in the division. So worth backing Taiwo Awuni to score at 2.18. Now it's time for the world famous podcast treble, a betting feature so very revered that Elon Musk actually offered me $44 billion for the rights to the concept. But I said no. So he bought Twitter instead. I'm sure in the fullness of time, it'll turn out that I made the right decision. I'm going to take Aston Villa to beat Norwich at 1.43. How this works is that the other guys are going to come up with a selection from the weekend's action. And then lovely traders like Emmett are going to wrap them up in a boosted treble. We talked about Norwich being dire. They've lost seven of the last nine on the road. They're bottom for a reason. So I'm going for Villa to beat Norwich. Jake, what have you got for us? Um, I'm torn between two on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> I always love that you never seem prepared for this. <laughs> well, I, it's gonna I happen, don't know. Though. What shall I the, do? <laughs> there's a really funny intro that throws me off. Uh, <laughs> too busy. That's laughing. very kind of you. <laughs> um, I'm going to take Tottenham to beat Leicester uh, on Sunday. I think, well, we'll discuss it more on Sunday's pod, but yeah. Leicester's defence uh, has been woeful. Obviously, they'll have eyes elsewhere. Massive game for Spurs um, in terms of the top four battle and the way in which they've played at home suggests to me they'll be able to create enough chances to win that game. And Emmett, take us home. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be brave. I'll have a juice to the echo. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Palace. I think they, from all, all, all the prices of the Premier League, they look the biggest price. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, 
if it does come home, the punchers get decent value of the actor. Lovely stuff. Punchy from Emmett. That's what we like to see. Uh, that's all we have time for in this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Every single Premier League game gets its own dedicated preview on our website, betting.betfair.com. We've got La Liga previews, Bundesliga previews, Liga previews as well. We've got the entire shebang on betting.betfair.com. From Jake, from Emmett and from me, it's goodbye for now. 